and welcome. I'm Pastor Vincent Grissom, and this is Applying God's Word, a teaching ministry in the Word of God. This is study number 114, titled, The Trap of Uncertain Riches. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, where Jesus gives us this instruction. Verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But stir up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, he is telling us that we will center our lives around what we value most, and if we're honest, we all know this to be true. So, is money and material gain what you value most? In verse 24, Jesus tells us that we cannot serve both God and money. The negative approach taken to wealth in Scripture is mainly because money poses such a great threat to godly living from both directions, whether you are rich or poor. In chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul warned those who desire to be rich. Let's read verse 9 and 10. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The Apostle Paul also helps us to see the other side of this spiritual danger. What if we already have money and possessions? What is Paul's counsel to the rich? Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. If we look closer at these three verses, we find a do and don't structure that comprise of two negative commands and five positive commands, which is then followed by an eternal result. The word here is translated commands and not suggestions as to what the rich person must and must not do. So right now, I want us to consider the negative commands, what the rich person is not to do from verse 17. Some of you right now may have to resist the urge to tune this part out because it's easy for us to assume that Paul is not talking to us here. You might consider yourself to have only a moderate problem with wanting more, you say, and it's obvious to you that you're not rich. The truth is that we are a prosperous people any way we measure it, but especially if we compare ourselves to Paul's original audience. So Paul's words are for us. 
So verse 17 starts off by telling the rich not to be haughty. The word haughty means proud, arrogant. Now Paul is not saying that it's okay for poor people to be haughty. All of us must guard against arrogance and pride, but this can be especially problematic for those who are wealthy. Money has an associated attitude that often comes with it. Having money can tempt us to look down on others or feel that they are less than us because they have less than us. We tend to judge the worth of others by how much money they possess. Money can create a value system that contradicts the unity and humility of God's people. It is difficult to be rich and humble if your pursuit of money was fueled by selfishness. Some people seek more money so they can think of themselves differently than others, drive a better car, own a bigger house, go on more elaborate vacations, and pursue their own interests above the interests of others. The world's value system supports this thinking. If you are rich, then display the symbols of being rich. You deserve it. Your possessions say something about you. You can see how this contradicts the unity and humility God intends for his people. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So in the last part of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul tells us not to trust in uncertain riches. The word trust here is elpidso in the Greek and comes from a word that means to expect and is also translated as hope. What do you expect from your money? What do you hope it will do for you? So let's ask a question. Why shouldn't we trust in uncertain riches? I can give you two reasons from this text. The first reason is obvious because they are uncertain. They will fail you. So let's have a look at this parable from Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21. Verse 16. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid out for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This successful man was not a fool because he failed to look to the future, but rather because he trusted his future to that which could not secure it. He thought if he had many goods laid up for many years, he was secure. Now, how many of us fall into this very trap? We easily and almost naturally buy into the deception that money provides security. We even call our money and goods our securities. 
Proverbs 11 verse 28 tells us, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And Proverbs 23 verse 5 tells us, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will certainly sprout wings and fly off like an eagle. Now you remember that Jesus Christ said that treasures on earth are destroyed by moth and rust and thieves break in and steal it. The second reason we should not trust in uncertain riches is because God is the one who gave them to us. This is where Paul's counsel to the rich becomes practical. If we have wealth, we soon learn to rely upon it rather than relying upon God who gave it to us. To put our trust in the gift rather than the giver is idolatry. This is the error of the idol worshiper. This was what Israel was supposed to learn in the wilderness. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The rich have riches that have been given by God. Paul's point is that we should not trust in the unreliable riches as they are, because God is the true source of what we have, and He is what is truly reliable. The implication is that you cannot put your trust in both at the same time. If you trust in God, then you are not one who fills his barns and builds bigger barns. You are not one who accepts the value system of the world you live in. If you rely on God, you cannot put your confidence in what you possess. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is an Aramaic word meaning money or possessions. We should also notice that Paul says we should trust in the living God. This terminology is rooted in Old Testament scripture, where the true God who is living is contrasted with false gods who are dead inanimate objects. This language also refers to God as the one who gives life. God is the only source of life. Brothers and sisters, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not allow the riches you have, the unrighteous mammon, to get in the way of being truly rich towards God. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Those things that you hold in your hand will fail you, but the spiritual riches God provides through Christ will never fail you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Paul was not talking about unreliable physical riches, but the spiritual blessings of being a child of God 
and a fellow heir with Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Paul instructs Timothy to warn the wealthy not to have an attitude that is either prideful or dependent on physical wealth, but instead to be humble and dependent on our Father in heaven. We serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, for the world is his and all it contains. Yet he gave his one and only Son to die on a cross for our sin so that we could receive the richest life for all of eternity. Your best life now is not about getting earthly health, wealth, and prosperity. Your best life now is about where you'll spend eternity.